welcome everyone back to Soul Back. This is episode three. We had a great week last week. Tidra Moses came in and rocked the house. And we have another special guest for you guys coming in later on. But until then, I'm Kyle. I've got Tom and Ed with me. What's going on, guys? What's up, players? I am still recovering after my girl Tidra and I went at it last week. So I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. We good. The family is intact. What's up, guys? Excited to talk about R&B here once again. Let's do it. Definitely should, and just for everyone to know, our special guest today is Case. He'll be coming on a little later, but we have a lot of new music to get into first, some new albums to talk about. I want to first off talk about, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but we have a new song by Portrait. Tom, weren't you just dissing the group like a week ago? (laughs) I don't know if I was dissing them. I might have called them a one-hit wonder, which may or may not be true, depending on which person you talk to dj soul child <clears throat> but um <laughs> they're still huge out in europe i heard along with new jack swing anyway <sighs> uh, the song is actually pretty good though I'm, I'm just surprised to see them come back after so long i mean what did you think Ed? i agree portrait was a group i did not expect to ever see back on the scene but i really like the new track it's really a throwback it reminds me of just the sound that they came up on and they didn't really deviate from it. So it was cool to hear them back doing their thing. I don't know if i call them a one-hit wonder. At least give them two hits. Jeez. But either way, I'm glad to hear my boys back and they're doing the thing. I'm actually going to take credit for them coming back together and putting out new music because I called them out a few few episodes ago. And after that, we got a new single. Do we get credit for you, that? No, you would <laughs> take credit for it, though. Come on. Actually, you know, you know what, guys? I think Tom might get credit for it. Didn't you call out Ruffins a while ago, too? And then here they came with a new album? Yeah. I Come on. We get credit. People are listening out there. You, you guys will be surprised. Well, do me a favor and call out Cut Close, because it's been 1995 since I've heard a Cut Close album. Hook your boy up. <laughs> Cut Close. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh Another new song that came out. Actually, this came out a little longer than just a week ago, um, which was has actually yeah. It's, I think it's been more than a week. Which is Maya's new song, "You Got Me." Tom, she's looking really sexy in that album cover. Yeah. Um, why? Why did she do it? It's almost. I hate to say it, but Maya doesn't need to do that to move records. She's an independent artist. She's got her own movement. I don't think she needs to be in a bikini on her album cover for hype. I mean, she's making good music. I, I, Ed, did you see that cover? Well, yeah, I saw the cover. I was not mad at the cover, but I do agree <laughs> with what you're saying. I mean, listen, if you can do it, do you all day, Maya. You will not get any complaints over here in Soul and Stereo Studios. Do you, boo? But to Tom's point, eh, do we really need to push that? I don't think so. I think that... Really, at her point in her career, her music is her brand, and not necessarily that. So, not necessarily needed, but always appreciate it. And I'm not going to lie, there was one of us in this in this podcast that once they saw the album cover, or I'm sorry, the single cover, they said something along the lines of, that's not something Maya should do, that's a Mila J move. Shoutouts to Mila J. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my goodness. God. Oh, oh. Lord. Oh, geez. but anywho, 
Um, <laughs> we have another record that came out, and this one kind of... I don't know how this came about. I know Music and Marsha did a show together in New York, I think at a SOB's a couple of weeks ago, but now they have a new song together, too. Yeah, it just released today. You know, I think it actually... They had a collaboration on Music's last album, Feel the Real, the double-disc album, right. and I think that they also did the stage play together, the Love Jones musical. They were in that they together. They did. I so actually I think saw that, that. Oh, you did see? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe that's when they started working together more on music, but I don't know what the single is from. There's no, been no announcement from them, so could this be a duets album? That would be nice to hear, but I'm not sure. Oh, that would be dope. I like the song okay. It's, it's pretty fine. It's funny because it is kind of the Ed and Tom dream collaboration, but <laughs> decent song and always nice to see two soulful artists get together like that. Absolutely. The song the song uh, title is For Better, For Worse. So if you guys want to go check that out, you guys definitely should. Candy, formerly of Escape, put out a new song too, Fake People. Ed, are you a fake person? <laughs> I am the opposite of fake. I am the realest of the real. That's why everybody's so mad at me all the time, because truth hurts. Shout out to truth hurts, whoever she is. But Oh, um, oh we gotta that, get her on soul back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we stick to the script. The Candy song reminded me of Candy was known, for those of you who weren't around, in the late 90s and early 2000s for hooking up the songs about the angry women, about the bills and the scrubs, and this is right in that vein. I don't know who pissed off Candy this time, but she is on one again. Well, I couldn't help but thinking, did did the other members of Escape piss off Candy? Is this aimed at them? Escape 3 or whatever you call them? I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if... I don't know if it's them. I don't know if it's a housewife. I don't know who got her mad, but she's in her feelings on this song. Somebody done done it. Well, let me ask you guys this from a business standpoint, because I think personally or, or, or from a personal standpoint, there's a reason why Candy is not part of the escape reunion. I think there's some internal problems between them, but on a business level, is it smart for Candy to just stay as a solo artist or from a business standpoint, is it better if she was part of Escape right now? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like from a business standpoint, Candy, the Candy brand on its own probably is stronger. So I could definitely understand why she would want to just do her. Because that way, you know, she's also has control over her own thing and doesn't have to worry about three other people. But the 90s music fan in me who loved Escape who hated that Escape just kind of evaporated and never gave us like closure to their music. They just kind of stopped being together one day. I would love the whole four ladies to get it together and give us at least one more album. You know what it is, though? I think it's it's bigger than that. I just don't think Candy has the time to commit to you know, getting in the studio and making an album with the group. I don't think it's personal. She hasn't released a solo album since 2010. So that kind of tells you she's not fully invested in making solo albums and making music. She's a reality TV star. So I I, I really don't think it's like she could make an album with with Escape, but that might prevent her from doing her reality stuff and all that other stuff she's got going on. That's the way I see it. Absolutely. 
We have another song that came out, Cassandra from the group Changing Faces. She put out a solo record. Name on it. Ed, don't you really like this song? I like the song, and I am a huge Changing Faces fan. I believe, if I'm not wrong, um, my Whatever Happened To series that is so popular on Soul and Stereo, I believe the first group I featured was Changing Faces. I'm a huge wow. fan of theirs, and I was very happy to hear new music from her. And it sounds just in the vein of that Changing Faces sound. So if you're a fan of the old school Changing Faces, man, it's crazy. It's been like... 20 years since we've had a record from, well, they've had singles, but an actual album from them. It's been almost 20 years. So if you kind of missed that sound, check out that single. You know what's unfortunate? I have to bring this up. You know, when I see artists come out like this, and I can't help but think of that interview you did, Kyle, with Blue Cantrell, where she thought, oh boy. I'm, going straight, I'm going straight back to platinum status with this next album. Ah. <sighs> I just don't know what their expectation is for putting out the music. That's all I'm asking. What do you well, think, Kyle? All I'm saying is once you interview Portrait very soon, you got to ask them what their expectations are. I will. We will yeah. do an interview with Portrait. No doubt. Shout-outs to DJ. But, but seriously. I, 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 I love hearing the music. Don't get me wrong. I love hearing the music, but I just wonder what they hope to accomplish with it. You know what I mean? I understand that. And again, I can't speak for Portrait, and I ain't going to speak for Blue because I don't want to start that beef again. But (laughs) the point is, I think a lot of times artists, when you live, when you were on top, like a Blue Cantrell who came out of nowhere and just dominated 2001, it's hard to go. It's almost like she peaked early. I saw this a lot in conversations with DMX. Well, like his first album did gangbusters and he never reached that level again because he peaked but in an artist's mind they know I can get back to the top because I started out on the top so I'm going to get back to it and when you have when you start out at the top of the mountain it's a lot harder to climb up there when you're all the way down at the bottom so it's going to be tough but it's an also a bruise to the ego to know that I got a long way to go to get back to where I was in 2001 Good point, Ed. Damn. Another project that came out is Victoria Monet. She's a younger R&B singer who has written many, many hits for Ariana Grande. Um, Tom, she was somebody that we thought ha- would have a promising career, but it hasn't really taken off like that, has it? Unfortunately, I just think she came out in the wrong time, which we're going to hear a lot of you know, recently. Uh, an R&B singer in this time it's just not a space for it unfortunately at radio and I think she got she was signed to Atlantic I interviewed her I think she got dropped unfortunately but it's it's just a tough time for artists who are making that sound real singers who are coming out and you know making that music I don't know where they fit in and unfortunately it's not being appreciated yeah it's crazy but I mean we'll have to see she is definitely talented. It's kind of surprising that the Ariana Grande uh, approval stamp hasn't launched her to new heights yet, but she is definitely talented, and um, she is another one where she is looking very sexy in her picture for the uh, oh, for that man. project. <laughs> hey, I just got to put it out there. You got to give them props for putting in the work. <laughs> I got to give you props for Ed, continuing Ed, trying to get cover? these numbers. I have not Ed. seen these numbers. 
I am a married man, player. I have not. I will not. I will plead the fifth. I will plead the fifth. Oh boy. Oh boy. That didn't she stop me from Maya's album cover. <laughs> um, good point. <laughs> hey, do you think Maya and Victoria Monet are on that Tom grilled chicken and Greek yogurt diet? <laughs> they must be. They they gotta be player. That's the only way you can maintain it. Cause let me tell you, when you start to get at an advanced age like your boy, man, I gotta hit that gym like every other week, or I will be out here looking quite like the notorious B.I.G. before 2018 wraps up. I'm well on big pun status. <laughs> wow. No, but Maya, Maya actually talks about her diet on, on social media. She's I think she's a vegan now. So, I mean, that oh. that's explainable. But Victoria Monet with a, a six-pack abs, that was unexpected. Yep. Hey, good on her, though. But you know who else is looking really yeah. good right now and who has an album coming out soon, too? Miss Tony Braxton. Mm. Yes, Lord. Tom, mm. Def Jam sent you a copy of the album and you didn't give it to us. What gives? Well, see, when you get sent an album by a major label, there's like some type of FBI warning on there where if you send that to another human being, they will come after you. So, <laughs> especially because we're a month away from when it comes out. Could you imagine if the thing just leaked, if I was involved in leaking that album a month early? She'd have to go back I mean, in the studio and record a whole new album. <laughs> oh please! This is now he's now he's Kanye West in two thousand four. I mean, Tom is right though because there are times where I'll get. Um, I think the last one I got that was pretty major was David Banner. It was someone I got that was a rap artist. Player, you gotta basically have a retina scan to open that file up, <laughs> and then to get it, and then you can't send it and you can't forward it. I'm just. Salted it. I didn't get one. I'm checking my email now. Tony didn't send me one. I'm hating. Well, Kyle, you actually went into my inbox, apparently, and heard the thing. How did it sound? Yeah, I actually did. Um, you know what? It kind of... What I was expecting a little more of, um, you know, the single that's out right now that has that 90s flavor to it. What I got, and yep. I only took a, a, a quick listen to it, but it was a lot of piano ballads. It was very ballad driven which is not necessarily a bad thing because you get to hear tony's voice but there was just too much piano and not enough drums on it and honestly i don't know who can listen to that in 2018 oh me (laughs) that's because you're old ed (laughs) oh hold on hold on i'm just kidding let me say this i will say after hearing her duet album with Babyface. Didn't you think this sound was like a expected progression from that, though? Like you, yeah, I almost I, thought this would be what it would be. I think so. But so, um, there, there were two songs on there that were a little more EDM, a little more electronic. Um, oh. But she's still singing on it. So I'll have to go back and listen to it. But I don't think I should because I don't want Def Jam coming after me. So... I'm just going to wait until the release date, and then we can all listen together. We'll have a listening party Dude, at Tom's house. Def Jam is not coming after you. It's going to be the FBI with handcuffs. You realize that? That's true. <laughs> this is Tony Braxton, a legend we're talking about. They're coming yeah, after you. Can't be leaking albums. <laughs> Ed, do you remember it that? It would make uh, my day. To, 
to see and, Tom and Kyle arrested, by the way. Uh, and yes. you remember yes. that, uh, <laughs> that era of R&B? This was probably around 2009, 2010, when Neo and Tank demos were just leaking left, right, and center like every other day. Oh, yes, I do. It was so funny. And it's and I it got to the point where I was like, is this intentional? Because they were just dropping all the time. I remember that very well because that was around the time that I was... I, I, Probably since 2000, old heads, once again, old man Ed, will remember the Napster days when music would leak. But around 2008, 2009 is when I started going to YouTube and finding like a lot of stuff being placed on YouTube and a lot of demos and whole albums sometimes that were unreleased. You would just find them on YouTube and just pull it up and listen to it. And a lot of that old Tank stuff and Neo stuff and my man Static Major, a lot of that stuff was landing around that time. Those are good times for R&B. Um, but we are here now in 2018. And Tom, where the heck is Robin Thicke in 2018? I'm waiting. It's interesting. I just read about Robin Thicke today. He had a baby, guys. Can we have a round of applause for Robin Thicke? Hey. Really? I had not heard this. Well, he had a baby with his 23, 23-year-old girlfriend. And uh, it kind of made me feel some type of way because it wasn't too long ago he was crying over Paula. He seemed to move on kind of quickly, guys. I don't know what you think. Well, I don't know how quick it was, but he did go from Paula to the new thing, and then he kind of stopped making music because I guess he was making babies. <laughs> Wait, didn't well, his dad pass would... away last year? His he dad did. did pass away, yes. Leave him alone. So, listen, I would love no, to hear I some like new Robin Thicke music. I want to hear, hear new music from Robin Thicke. Yeah, I, listen, I defend Robin Thicke much more than most, and I think that the Paula album was a huge misstep, but he has had several songs since then that I thought were pretty solid. It, it kind of reminds me of when me and Kyle, the last time we went to the Essence Festival in New Orleans, and we found an ad for the Paula album on like a random bus terminal, yep. like bus stop or something. It was in the middle of nowhere. So it wasn't like it was getting much, much people people's eyes seeing it so that kind of made me feel sad for robin at the time and i hope he's bounced back and will make some great music but congrats to robin for having a new child absolutely now i want to get into the play a please award which we totally did not uh prepare for so ed unless you have something um i have something ready i don't but i'm sure whatever you have i will be glad to spout off about it well, it's not actually celebrity news. This is Kyle news. I was at a Miguel concert last night. And for those that are part of the media that are listening to this podcast, we have it a little different than the regular consumer. You know, we get review tickets, we get photo passes, we get access to the venue that no one else gets. Normally, we don't even have to line up to get to the door. They just let us in. But for this Miguel concert, and I don't know why or I don't know how it happened, but... The doors opened at 7, the opening act went on at 8, so I arrived at the venue around 8 o'clock, and the the venue was like, oh yeah, photographers aren't allowed in until Miguel hits the stage. So, I stood really? outside that venue for an hour. Oh my gosh. And wow. that What's is my the play point of, play. of that? I, I, I don't know how that happened, but all I know is when I walked into the arena... Miguel was already singing. I don't even. I forget what he was singing, but I missed like 
the first bit of his set because uh, they didn't let any of the photographers in until he got on. I have never heard of that, and I don't understand the point of it because every show that I've been at or been a part of covering, the photographers get in early so they can set up and like get in position. You don't let them in after they perform. What? Yeah, but it's okay. Um, all is well. Miguel put on a hell of a show, but Tom, I hear you have a player, please, a word. Ed, I got one for you. You ready for this? I'm ready. So I saw one of your favorite artists of all time on TV on a commercial recently. Okay, what commercial is this? Lou Bega. Remember the guy from Mambo Number no. 5? Wow. <laughs> he's on, Lou he's on a, Have you seen this commercial? I have not. And why is Mambo Number no. 5 on a commercial in 2018? He's on a New York Life insurance commercial or something. It's, it's just weird that they picked him of all people. Is he but, singing the song? Because uh, he only has he's one not, He's sitting on the beach with a coconut drink in his hand, and I don't know what he's doing, but of all people. That, to me, that's a player, please. Like, where did they even find this guy? Well, yeah, that's a player, please. Lou Bader could walk right in here right now and give me a Capri Sun, <laughs> and I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> another guy we, Another guy we need on Soulback. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, I'll pass on some dude. I'm like, are you Pitbull's... Granddad, I don't know who you are, so no. Not Can right I right. just say right now, if they offered us Cupid on this podcast, we would not take it. <laughs> Dude, yeah. it's not. They've offered us his mu- his new music, like or post this on the site. I'm just saying, over the past few years, but we we wouldn't take Cupid on this podcast or Lou Bega. Damn. I did um, not know Cupid did anything other than the one song. He he makes music. Well, before we get Case in this podcast to really help straighten up what we have going on, because we're all over the place, I want to give a R.I.P. to Static Major today. Marks the 10-year anniversary of his passing, one of the most prolific songwriters of our time. Guys, what is your favorite song written by Static? I know that's a loaded question, but let's hear it. That's that's an impossible question. And um, I, most readers, I mean listeners, know how much affinity I have for Static and Playa overall as a group. Um, I've talked before about how my wife, when we lived in Louisville, after Static passed, um, our newspaper, I worked at the largest newspaper there, and I was trying to get them to cover this major event. And even though Static was from Louisville, like no one on the staff really knew what he did. So I remember going to the editor of the paper because I was this serious and we had a good relationship. And I'm like, we need to cover this dude. And she was like, well, what did he do? And I started naming off the writing credits that Static did. And they were like, oh, my God, we need to get somebody out here right now. So my wife did this big story on Static his family, interviewed Black, interviewed Smokey, talked about his legacy. It was one of the best things that I feel like she has ever written. And I just love what he has done for R&B. Anyway, just had to put that there. It's Picking my favorite static written song is impossible, but I was at the gym yesterday on my iPod. Yeah, I still got my iPod because I'm old. <laughs> and Speed of Light came on. 
A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know this song, but it's one of those unreleased static songs that I was talking about a little bit earlier that I discovered years ago. Love it to death, and that came across the iPod, and was like, man, it just made me reminisce about what we could have had as a solo artist is static. So, Speed of Light is my pick for right now. It's interesting hearing you talk about that, Ed, and how people didn't really recognize who he was or what the work he's done. But I remember hearing this story about how uh, you know, we used to be in touch with his, his assistant, uh, Tim Barnett, Neasy, and uh, mm-hmm. he told us Static used to show up to studio sessions with a CD of the work he did to show artists, here, I did these songs for Aaliyah, I did these songs for Genuine. It was like he was so under the radar that he needed to do that, take that step, which was crazy to me. But And uh, I'll just also mention, this is how me and Kyle originally met, because uh, we both were looking for his music at the time after his passing and I think I reached out to Kyle on YouTube and it was like do you have songs because I think he was posting stuff on YouTube but it was a crazy situation you know and uh but definitely for me it's Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah that's my favorite song by her and my I think my favorite song but that he wrote so I'm gonna go with that one what do you think Kyle that's a good pick um I would say So Anxious is my favorite that Static wrote. I just love how that song all came together, but an underrated pick for me, and Ed, you will appreciate this. One that I really like is Raise Your Frown by Nicole Ray. My jam! Mm. So, so, I mean, Static... And he had a big hand in that album, which is, is, is well documented how much I love that album, and a lot of my love for that album is because of Static's pen. Even uh, Keith Sweat recorded a static song, if I remember correctly. Yes, and I remember with the interview that my wife had with Static's mom, Static's mom said she relayed the story about the first time that Static met Keith and he was fanboying all over the place because Keith was his favorite artist. And I'm like, this is why we were destined to be. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, I mean, Static has hits for days and... So rest in peace to him. He's definitely missed in the music industry. And we will continue to celebrate his legacy as we proceed with Soulback. Now it's about that time for our special guest to join us on this episode. Last week we had Teacher Moses up in here and she caused quite a scene. All the fans loved it and we were trying to figure out how we were going to top that episode. And I think we have the perfect guest for that. Tom, who's the, who's the guest? I'm excited to introduce this guest for this, this week's podcast. Uh, we have none other than Case, and he's someone who we've admired. You know, one of the top R&B artists out of the 90s, continued bringing hits all through the 2000s. We loved his last album, Heaven's Door. And he just keep making great R&B music, and also we just love that, you know, he did that R&B draft with us a couple years ago, and that was one of our best features we ever did. So uh, he's always shown us a lot of love. We always show him a lot of love in return. So happy to uh, welcome Case to the podcast. What's up, y'all? Hey, what's up, Case? Hey, Ed. I know um, you really like that Heaven's Door album, right? I know you reviewed it. Yeah, I reviewed it, and I think that's on the you know I got Soul site. But that was one of my favorite albums in the realm of R and B for 2015. So, Case, while we got you, you know I've got to ask this: What was some of the concepts you had in mind going into that album? Um. Well, thank you. I um. You know, I'm at a point now when I do music, I don't really have concepts. Um, there was a time when I would make music and it would be based on what I was hearing or what I 
thought I should make or what I thought I wanted to hear, but now it's more like a feel. So um, if, if if it feels right, I just do it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And um, for Heaven's Door, it was it was really based off of that because um, we had the uh, we we had a bunch of songs and I was getting them together. And I just was feeling like doing different stuff. So that's that's what I ended up doing. And I think the song that still like resonates to me with me the most from that album is probably Juggle. Was that something that was like a personal experience or something that a friend may have been going through? I I've been through that quite a few times. But same. I mean, I, I've seen friends. <laughs> I've seen friends go through that. Um, I mean, that's something that people go through every day, though. I, I would think. Um, if you, if you watch uh, reality TV or talk shows, it seems like they do. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty common. You know, Case. What's interesting is that you released the Love Jones Project last last year, Volume One, the EP. It was a quick follow-up to uh, the Unsung episode you had. I believe it released a day after. And we always find it interesting, the trends going on with artists. And they're releasing uh, projects like EPs instead of albums. They're taking their time between albums. You know, what is your philosophy around that? Um, for me, I just make music and, and uh, then sit down with the management team and figure out uh, what, should we, what we should do. Actually, Love Jones, the rest of the project will be out on April 27th. I'm finishing now. i got to turn it in on March 9th, so... But um, I, you know, we just we just figure out what what would probably be the best the best way to do it at that time. Um, and that, that's what it that's what it really goes on. Um, at that time, I had just started working on on Love Jones, and I was, like I said, just seeing what I was feeling, what I felt like doing, um, what I felt like making. You know, and we and we threw it out. And in, initially, I was going to try and put it out um, last year, but I, I wasn't able to. So. Now, Case, we got to ask you, because not only are you hilarious, uh, you know, but you're also an amazing singer. So we have to get it from your perspective. What was going on with Fergie when she was doing the national anthem last week? Yo, I don't know. <laughs> like, no, no, we, I was watching it. And um, I, I think, now I can't speak for her, but I, what it seemed like to me, if she was kind of trying to, do something fresh with it like Marvin Gaye did. And through doing that, she was like trying to channel Amy Winehouse. Or, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that was, but that's, that's what it seemed like she was trying to do. But yeah, that, that was a train wreck. <laughs> I'm with you case. When I heard it, a lot of people were like, Oh, she can't sing. I'm like, no, we know Fergie can sing. I think, if you remember a couple of years ago when R. Kelly did that version of the anthem turned into like a stepper's joint. I think she was just trying to put her own spin on it, but well, that's not the place to get that sexy. Yeah, and it, you know, it seemed like she was trying to... Uh, remember when Marilyn Monroe sang to President Kennedy? It sounded like she was doing <laughs> oh, a little bit of that. That's exactly <laughs> what it sounded like. Yeah, it was like she threw a whole bunch of stuff in the pot that didn't go together. And then, uh, yeah, that, that was that was crazy. <laughs> But I can understand because it did sound like if, if that was your first time hearing her, hearing her, you would think that she can't sing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as we go into the discussion of artists that can sing and, and can't sing, you know, we always try to figure out, you know, as we look back historically on R&B, how it got to this point. Because, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the artists on the radio nowadays, they're not necessarily singers. 
you know, they might be able to hold a key, but they're not necessarily singers. But um, just to take it back a little bit, I remember a case when I interviewed you probably a couple of years ago. Um, you had kind of mentioned to us that uh, you were actually originally on the LL Cool J song with Pharrell, Love You Better. Yeah, Pharrell came to me. Uh, we were in the club in Atlanta one night. He was like, I got a record I need you to get on. I'm like, okay, when? Just let me know. He's like, no, tomorrow. So I flew yeah. to New York. We did the record. Originally, it was um, me, Usher, and Donnell Jones were on that record. Oh, my goodness. And then, yeah, and then it turned into just me and LL. And then before it came out, it ended up being the demo version. So, Wow. That's crazy. So we're... With the three of you on it, were the three of you trading like the hook, or was it just going to be without LL totally? No, no, no. It was LL's record. Um, we were we were just trading the hook, kind of like our oh, girls, 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 the Jay Z, oh. Big Mark, the Slicker. It was it was kind of like that. Yeah, it was a dope That's idea. Wow. So. As we talk about Pharrell, then, because we always try to figure out how did we get to this point with the singing, and I know Pharrell when he first came out was doing hooks for Jay and Snoop, and you know Pharrell wasn't necessarily the greatest singer. Do you think that contributed to where we are today when we had you know songwriters and producers that ended up doing the hooks? No, nah, I don't. I'm not sure because what what Pharrell does, he's kind of channeling Curtis Mayfield, but he wasn't the first one to do that. Um, Sleepy Brown was doing that on Outkast mm. Records mm. way before Pharrell was doing it. So I don't think that was it. I think it was. It just became a combination of like different artists coming out that weren't necessarily singers. They were more like more of stylists than singers. And then once you had the technology to come out like Melodyne and Auto-Tune and all that stuff, then people who couldn't sing and would have never tried before that they have confidence now to do it because you could just go in the studio and they could fix it up. Mm. Mm. So, and then, and then when, and then when the, the whole vibe of hip hop changed and became more of a, cause hip hop used to be like party and either it was party or it was rah, rah. And then it became like more mellowed out and more, more of a, a vibe thing. It made it, it, it. And with the way hip hop intersects with R and B, I think that contributed to it also. Hmm. Tom, what about your thoughts? I mean, you're a huge Neptunes fan, and I, of course, you're a huge R&B fan. Do you see, you know, maybe if Pharrell did do an impact on, on the singing on music? It's tough. I mean, to what Case was saying, I, I can see what he's saying. It's tough. There were there was a lot of contributing factors, but I just think that, um, you know, the consumer and, and, and the music fan just got used to hearing artists who who weren't the best vocalists singing and then they just got conditioned to it and then they started accepting it as the norm so to the point when you had these great songs coming out from real singers it wasn't being appreciated like it should have been so that's it kind of just eventually just now we're at where we're at now where i actually think a lot of artists who aren't singing that radio can sing but they're just not even putting emphasis on that so i think like Kay said there was a lot of different factors involved but here we're at now. I'm not mad at it. I don't. I never get mad at you know evolution of music, but unfortunately, it's it's, it's just where it's at now. And it's, true singing, you know, artists aren't being appreciated, unfortunately. Because actually, Pharrell sings better than a lot of these uh, quote unquote R&B artists that you're talking about. He's not <laughs> the best, but he sings better than a lot of them. So I don't, I don't. I don't think it's him so much. I just like yeah, like you said, I think people got conditioned to it, and um, 
And to your point, also, I've been on on uh, concerts and stuff, and I've been sitting backstage talking with other artists, and they like, I'm not even. I, it was like I don't even really try no more when I go on stage because they don't know the difference and they don't appreciate it. So why am I out there killing myself on stage, singing, doing all yeah. type of tricks, and they don't appreciate it? They don't know the difference. So, right. That's that's how yeah. a lot of people are starting to think. And to Case's point, I got to agree. I don't think that a lot of times we kind of lump Pharrell into that group of people who can't sing. I wouldn't say that Pharrell can't sing. We just have to look at vocalists differently. Everybody who can't sing like Luther, we don't say they can't sing. That's just a different level of ability in their vocal ability. So I think what Pharrell does is actually pretty okay. But there are artists, to Case's point, we have gotten to a point where when I was a fan coming up, Cases era, the 80s, and before that, songs were judged by how good you could sing. But now we're at a point where it's all about the vibe. It's all about the production. Singing is like three or four on the list. So as long as your hook is strong and the beat is nice and current and trendy, the actual vocal ability is four and five on the list because younger listeners aren't I aren't tuned to look for that. Whereas in my generation, it was like them runs and it was like, what you hitting? And the, the, are you shattering octaves and you pulling Mariah's? That's not really well, the not case even so much that, but just the feeling. Just There was soul in the music. It wasn't a vibe. There was soul in it. Right. And soul has now been replaced. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, I mean, and it's, it's a sign of the times. I mean, I... Y'all know what I prefer. I prefer the traditional, and there are some that prefer this, and that's cool, but I don't know if we can put that toothpaste back in the tube and get back to that era because the landscape has just changed so much. Now, that's interesting. I've been thinking about that, wondering, can you put it back in the tube, and will it ever? Because everything goes around in circles, so I've been curious about that, too, whether there'll be a time when it comes back around to, to singing. Because what's crazy is that now, the pop artists are the ones that are really singing and the pop artists are making R and B records and they're, they're making the music that we used to make. And now that's considered mm. pop. Yep. Like Bruno Mars last that. album is nothing but nineties R and B. A lot of like my kids play, they're listening to a lot of these artists and I'm, and, and you like this song? I'm like, yeah, it sounds just like, uh, such and such from 25 years ago. So, Right, <laughs> uh, our music has changed into something else, and and pop music has turned into our music. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just Bruno Kelly Clarkson last album that sounded pseudo R and B. You, we hear Sam Smith, we hear Adele. They are more soulful than a lot of people on black stations. And I know some fans get frustrated and say, "Oh, they're taking our music," but. I don't know as a fan of it. I'm not mad because I'm hearing what I like and it's working for them. And I know there's the conversation about appropriation. That's like another talk for another time. But as long as the music is getting out there and it's working for them and they're doing it well, I ain't too mad. Well, see, the problem is, in my opinion, the problem is that that same album that Bruno Mars made, which I think is dope. I love Bruno Mars. I think he's the best singer of this generation, honestly, is what I honestly think. But wow, I think that that very same album, I mean, note for note, same exact song, if I made that album, they would call it dated. Like, our, my yeah. audience would call that album dated. He can put out that same exact album, and it's 
and it's and it dope because that that pop audience accepts it. Totally agree. And that's where I have and I talk about this a lot here. And I feel like that is on the fans. If that's the music that you want, we've got to elevate the artists who want to put out that music by actually buying the album. I know that's a foreign concept to some of y'all, but like Kurt, supporting the music and putting dollars behind it will make more of this type of music be more prevalent than what we're seeing now. Well, even if you don't buy it, even streaming it. Um, but what you can't do is when when a black artist makes an album that sounds like 90s R&B, you can't say, oh, it's old school, that he's outdated, it's this and it's that. And then when a pop artist makes it, it's the dopest thing ever. Like, I, that's the thing I don't... Right. And I've seen that happen, so... It's you crazy. Uh, yes. It's yeah. crazy, though. As I'm crazy. listening to this conversation, and it's just like, I remember actually, I think it was on YouTube, uh, the Tank song, we all know that song, When We, right? The one that's on the radio right now? Mm-hmm. That's, that trap mm-hmm. song. He's not necessarily singing up to his standards, but as I'm reading the comments on YouTube, they're saying, wow, this sounds like a Bryson Tiller song, but there's too much singing on it. I don't like it. That was like the craziest <laughs> thing to me. There's oh, too man. much crazy, singing right? on it? There's too much singing <laughs> wow. on it. Wow. Right. Is it? Exactly. Singing is, but, all right, okay, so we'll leave Pharrell out of, out of this because he has done a lot for R&B. But another collaboration that you did was with Ja Rule, who I actually really like Ja Rule, but you did Living It Up with him. And I know in his heyday, he was singing on his records. Do you think that may have contributed to the downfall? Nah, I don't think it did at all because um, if they were singing a different, they were singing a different way. None of them were claiming to be singers, and right, you didn't look at them as singers, and the music that they were singing to wasn't R and B. Really, they were just singing the hook. Like I've gotten a lot of songs like that to do for rappers, and they'll sing the hook. And I get it. I don't think I don't think that did it. I think um, I, I think that it, I think that hip hop changed, and I think that um, I don't know why this happened, but for some reason, singing and soulful music kind of became uh, not cool. I guess I, 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 maybe it's generational. I don't know. I agree. And I think with Ja, unfortunately, I mean, I was around in 2000 when he was starting to get beat up for it. But I think a lot of that backlash, you can pinpoint to the 50 Cent beef because he was the one that was kind of like, Ja out here singing, ha, ha, ha. And I think that... But Ja but way, 50 but was doing it at the same exact time. Though. Exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. But it's funny because yeah. 50 was doing it, and there are plenty of female artists that were doing it well before them, even... Heavy D, back then, he would have some melodicness in his delivery. So it wasn't like he was mm-hmm. doing something new. He just kind of got wrong place, wrong time with that beef, I think, kind of turned the conversation against him. And then 50 did the same thing. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that was just a wave that came along. Um, but I really can't pinpoint when 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 things like started to change. I know there have been a couple of artists that came out. And they really took off that weren't like really considered singers, and I don't know if that did it. I, I don't know. Well, like I just let looked me up one you. day, and it was different. Let me ask you this, case, because we get so many submissions on our site from 
up-and-coming artists. They want to be featured. You know, they're from all over the United States, from the UK. They got amazing voices. But it's just like you hear it and you know it's not going to take off because that's not what's popular right now. So just, just on a more lighthearted note, you know, say, say your music career had never taken off. You know, what, what do you think you'd be doing for a career, for a living, just outside the box? I have no idea, only because it's the only <laughs> thing I ever wanted to do. Like, I can't. Yeah. I've, I've had that conversation, too. I have no idea what I'd be doing. Yeah. Whatever it was, it probably wouldn't be too good because <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to school. I wasn't. Like, it was always from the time I was a little kid. It was music or nothing. Like, hey, what's your plan B? Music again. Like, I, I didn't have a <laughs> plan B because I felt like plan B means you preparing to fail. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I would be doing. Damn. Now, Case, last week we had a very interesting debate with Tedra Moses, and that kind of sparked a new idea. But the debate was pretty much, it was pretty random. Tom just threw it out there, and we'd love to get your thoughts on it. Tedra went with Music Soul Child, but who do you think is better? You know, just who is better, Music Soul Child or Keith Sweat? What's your take on that? Music Soul Child. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> wow. Why? Um, because Keith, Keith, I'm, and I'm a Keith Sweat fan, and he's also a friend of mine, but I, I think um, music's sound and his, con his conceptually what he does um a, a lot of it comes from he himself his delivery he's actually a better singer than keith um it comes from he himself uh, keith is more producer driven artist than than, uh, than a lot of other artists and he keith is a dope songwriter too but um I, I would say i would say music music um stuff is more soulful um has it has more feeling it's, it's, it's a lot deeper um, I, yeah, I would say music. Ed, that is exactly what Tedra Moses said last week, too. <laughs> well, that oh, wow. isn't exactly what Tedra said last week. I actually agree with a lot of the points Case made, because Keith is a more production-driven artist, which is true. Mm -hmm. And I have no beef with music, and I do think that his stuff is more soulful. So I'll give you both of those points. Everything else, still riding with Keith. I don't care what y'all say. Oh, you say you say Keith? Okay, what what are your yeah. points that, that that makes Keith better? So, I think no, when you look at go. the legacy. There we go. <laughs> no, Keith, he opened the door. He didn't open heaven's door. So I am going to talk about you. So when you look at the legacy of hits, when you look at uh, longevity over 80s, 90s, into 2000s, he just dropped another single. When you look at the artists he put on the game from Silk to um, Cut Clothes, even helping Drew do Hill out. Did you say cut clothes? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. We're going to act like cut close and have a couple of hits now. We're going to act like cut close and have hits. That was that was what we call in the, in the industry a residue hit. They had... Oh. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like, no, seriously, like, you know how, you know how, like, you, you probably can't point to too many people who were really D12 fans. But they went platinum. You know why? Because that's when Eminem was at his peak. Wow. I'm telling oh. you, like, think about it. That that happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Oh, my. And then with Legacy, Keith Sweat, been out, Keith Sweat was out 12 years before music. So yeah. his Legacy, it hasn't had time to catch up. Music, <laughs> Music's last album, last two albums was dope. One came out mm -hmm. last year. No, I think two came, and one came out this year. 
Yeah. Yep, one was no, one was last life year, on one Earth. was the year before. Yeah. Yep. And both were the year before, yeah. I gave both good reviews. Yeah. But See? when we talk about generational artists and like defining genres, Keith was hopping them decades, man, and he was still switching it up. And I'm gonna still give cut close props. I can't believe it's turning <laughs> bizarre. But, but see, cage, but here's the thing. No, but here's see, here's the thing. Why I say with Keith, Keith, like his first his first album, right? Let's use that for example. Was full mm-hmm. of hits, but that was the beginning of New Jack Swing. That was all Teddy Riley, and that's mm-hmm. when Teddy was doing Keith Sweat, Heavy D, Guy, Bobby Brown. That was, that was all that. Then he left and he started doing his own stuff, but it was, and he had he had other producers he was working with. But I mean, Keith is dope, and he has to do. But Keith is more producer driven. Yeah, I team. won't argue with you there. That one we we agree on there. Yeah, and then the legacy. I mean, he he got twelve years on him already. Like you, you got time to catch up. <laughs> no, but he he got twelve years on him. But I mean, what when did um music drop? Two thousand. So like he's almost yeah, twenty years in the game deep too, and he got some joints. Oh, he <laughs> definitely got some joints. But but see, this is the other thing you got to think about. But see, here's the other thing you have to realize: when music came out, same as when I came out, there was a ton of us young guys doing R and B. When Keith came out, see, there was there was a shift in music, and I noticed this um, back in like the Early eight, the seventies was soulful, R and B and funk and whatever. Then the eighties, all of the soulful artists went pop. That's true. End of the eighties, right? True. Then, then the R and B in the mid eighties, the R and B. In order to do R and B, you had to be an older person. Like, if you, well, to us, they seem like older people, like Cassis and just just all the artists that I seem like they were older. When New yeah, Jack Regina Swain Bell, came, all of them. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it was a more mature sound. When New Jack Swing came, it ushered in the whole new thing. But Keith was the first one of those New Jack Swing artists. Name another male young R&B singer that was out then. He was the first one because we didn't get, like, Bobby was still a new edition. And, like, that didn't come until, like, maybe two or three late, two or three years later for we got that big rush of I'll Be Shores. So, yeah, Keith was first. Right. And that's what I'm. Well, no, Alex he came out the same year, but and that's what I'm saying. That was all that we had. He didn't. He didn't. And when music came, it was a bunch of us doing it. Like it was. It started like right around the time when I came. It was a bunch of us. So you're not gonna have that same that same dominance because there's, there's just like the Celtics won all them championships in the NBA, but there was like eight teams in the NBA. Now they're thirty. They ain't winning eleven. They not winning eleven championships in a row. <laughs> Shout out to Larry Bird. Yes, I feel you. <laughs> let me uh, case. Let me let me let me ask you something, case. First, you have to understand Ed is like one of the biggest Keith Sweat fans of all time. So put that into context real quick. <laughs> but you know what's interesting? That was that I thought of when you were talking there. Like, I didn't realize that you, you knew about music's past couple albums that they came out these past few years. We didn't we didn't always know that artists oh, listen yeah. to other album, artists' albums and know that they come out and that type of thing. Do you actually listen to other artists who come out oh, yeah. who are from your, around your era? Definitely. Really? Definitely. Actually, my wife walked down the aisle to um, a song off a of music album on that Life on Earth oh, album. Wow. She, uh, to, yeah. 
Yeah, wow. I, I definitely listen to a lot of albums. So, so you're well, with me? You're yeah, a music always, fan always like me, then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love you. I, let me tell you another thing. Um, um, one four three was supposed to be a duet with me and music. What? That I was working. What? Yeah, I was. I was working on. Um, I was working on open letter, and we were in L.A. And he was like, he kept saying, "I got a song that I want us to do as a duet." And he was telling me about it. He's like, it's called one four three, blah blah blah. But we could never get to. And you know, back then, you pretty much we would do it in the studio together. And we, right. we we never got the chance to do it because deadlines came and we never got to link up to do it. But, it, yeah, we were mm. supposed to do 143 as a duet. Wow. Man, that's an wow. exclusive news right there. I have never heard of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. What else you got for us, Case? <laughs> any, <laughs> other, any other secret collaborations that should have that happened or should have happened? Uh, I'm sure there's something I got to think about. <laughs> I know me and LL have done about five songs together that never came out. Wow, really? Um, yeah, because you got you know, people do a lot of stuff that, for whatever reason, sometimes it's political, sometimes it just didn't make the cut. Like people do a lot of stuff together. Me and Keith were supposed to do some stuff over the past couple months that we never got together to do. I could see uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, all right, all right. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love Keith. Like, go to his house sometime. He's like a, a older brother to me, but. Yeah, we we still we we've been saying we've been collab for the longest. Wait, wait hey, speaking always... of uh, speaking of collabs, my my boy Kyle's been raving about this song for for months now. It's it came out a long time ago. A song you had with Montel Jordan, coulda woulda shoulda. You remember that one? Yeah, let me tell you what's funny about that. I came across that song on Apple Music last week. And I completely forgot about it. I rec- we recorded that song in like 2001, something like that. Yeah, I, I came across this. I completely forgot about that song. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's a great song. I don't think many. I don't think a lot of people even listened to that last Montel album. That was right before he went off and retired. But um, man, that was that was so much that you gave us their case. But we want to get back on track. So. Uh, Essentially, for us right now, we have this thing where if an artist wins this face-to-face matchup three three times straight, so music's at one right now, so this will be match mm-hmm. number two. We're going to have Music Soul Child versus, I guess we'll have it, versus Montel Jordan. Ed and Tom, you guys can uh, you guys can come in and oh. give your two cents, but we'll let Case decide on the winner of that. And the, the person that gets the three wins in a row, they get inducted into our Soul Back Hall of Fame, so... Case, choose wisely. Oh, that's dope. Out of music and Montel Jordan? Yep. Yeah. Music. Oh. Montel's your it boy, seemed though. Ob- it seems obvious. <laughs> well, yeah. Well I, well, I didn't know we was judging friendships. <laughs> now, well, like, I mean, now if, you, if we go by friendships, me and Montel are closer than me and music are. But, no, nah, musically? No, nah, definitely music. For, for all the same reasons that I said it. Um. Yeah. No. That's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Ed. I feel like, and you know, I, I think Montel is like, underrated. Well, that's exactly what I was saying. I was going to put some perspective mm-hmm. into it because, unfortunately, Montel has just been locked in the "this is how we do it" bubble, and we forget that man has like three or four number ones. 
and he has plenty of platinum gold records. So from like the mid nineties, I'm on one. I think Case, yes, you are, and it's and Case I arranged on it. That's me singing the chorus for Let's Ride, and I arranged it. That's me singing the chorus. Wow, that's you on the chorus. I don't know if I knew that. I didn't know. Yeah, that that's either. me singing the chorus for Let's Ride. Um, he asked me could I arrange the song for him, and I went and did it, and we used it for the, it, as the chorus. And see, yet another number one. And my point is, as Case was saying earlier, in the late 90s, there were just so many artists that a lot of times we forget about the level of talent. It was unprecedented talent. And hit records just left and right and went on to become classics. And a lot of them, Montel was behind. So I don't, I hate when people put Montel in a one-hit wonder bucket because the dude had No, I definitely don't do that. But if we're talking about... Yeah, a lot do, and it's annoying. But again, if we're talking about overall arching career, I'm going to have to go with music for this one. Yeah. I mean, but with that one thing, I think think people are stupid. Excuse the word. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're right. No. Truth. No, because this this is awesome. You're going to love this. Let me tell you something. There was some R&B site that did a, they had a meme up of me and Donnell Jones. And it was like, um, which one of these hit records was the best? It was something like that. So I had three of my hits and three of his hits. Mm-hmm. And it was like, choose which person's hit. One of these geniuses comment on the post, you're going to love this, was, um, I don't know, but they're both great one-hit wonders. Oh, just, name, just name three Ooh. songs on each side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my like, goodness. That's crazy. I think people may go by maybe if they like one song that makes you a one-hit one. I'm like, because <laughs> I've seen people say that about me. I've seen them say it about a lot of people. I'm like, okay, which hit? Which one hit? Yeah, which hit? About? Which one case hit is the one hit? <laughs> like people, you people got throw, like two or three people, off of every record. People, people throw the one-hit wonder word around just like people throw the legend word around. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I hate both of those actually. I hate I hate when people throw either of those words around so willy nilly. Yeah, yeah, don't give me preaching case because we're gonna hear another twenty. Oh, minutes. I do it all the time. I, I do it all, the time. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, I got I got so, another one y'all didn't know. Uh, Jazz from Drew Hill is singing the chorus on "Conversate" on Open Letter. Wow. wow. I didn't yeah, know that. Jazz singing the chorus. Yep. How we were just happen? talking a couple of weeks ago about how jazz is just one of those artists that just deserved a huge solo run and just never got it. Jazz is a beast. No, Amazing. jazz is an animal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, yep. that boy is serious. Yep. Anyways, um, I guess music will win this round. So he he is now on a two-game winning streak, one more, and he will be in our Soul Back Hall of Fame. But guys, we gotta give Montel some props as well. He's like six foot five and he sings R and B records. You gotta give it up to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, definitely. No, Montel is six nine. Oh, he's six nine. What? There you go. Wow. Yeah, Montel yeah, is six nine. He said six eight. He stood. He says it in the song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Montel. Um, so we've been talking about a lot of different Def Jam artists over this whole podcast, and today, of course, is the 10-year anniversary passing of Static Major from the group Playa. Case, we're all big supporters of Static. What's your What's your memory of Static? 
my memory of Static is probably more personal. We were, um, I, I used to hang out with them a lot. Um, this was before their, the first Player album came out, and we were in the, was it the Bahamas? I think it was in the Bahamas. And uh, Smokey was playing the piano, and me and Black and Static were just standing around in the lobby just singing all night, getting drunk and just singing all night. <laughs> and we would just do that everywhere we went. Like, that, that, was, my, that was my dude right there. And um, I think, matter of fact, I think one of the last times that we hung out, and it, actually this is the last time that I saw Aaliyah, because um, me and her was good friends too. I was in Sony Recording Studios working on, I think we were mixing um, one of my albums. Um, and I bumped into Static in the hallway. He's like, yeah, we're working on Aaliyah next door. Come through before you leave, so... I finished what I was doing. I went I went um uh to the other studio. They were doing that song, uh, Loose Rap. Mm-hmm. Come better, come better. He was like, Yeah, this is the joke we did we doing right now. And I was like this song is crazy. And we um chilled out, bobbed out with him. Last night that was the last time I saw Leah. She she passed wow. like not too long after that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, static static's my dude. I still I still hang out with Smokey when I'm over that way too and Ben. Oh, right. Cool. Cool. So um, let's move on to what we like doing every week with every artist, and this is what's in your rider. So, Case, is there anything in your rider that's unusual or out of the ordinary that you can you can share with us? Nah, my ride is pretty straightforward. Like I don't I don't have no weird stuff. Mine <laughs> is food, drinks, water, hot water. I'm good. I, I don't have like the all green M and M's or the <laughs> everything has to be white. I don't. I don't have all of that. <laughs> so then, uh, that leads us to our next question, which is, what's your drink of choice? Um, vodka. Mm. Any brand in particular? Or? Um, nah. There's more brands that I don't drink. Like I, I won't mess with like Smirnoff and stuff like that, but. Like absolute yeah. Grey Goose, Ciroc, stuff there. I'm good. Got it. Even Tito's. Right, I like so. Tito's too, actually. Okay. All right. So we're getting close to you know our time here. So I want to wrap this up and kind of talk about what you're you you mentioned you're working on part two of Love Jones or the the finishing touches on that. So tell us what we can ex- what we can expect from Case this year. Um. Yeah, Love Jones is coming out dope. I got um. I got. I think the biggest surprise that's on there is actually going to be the first single. It's a a reggae kind of song called Sundress. Um, it has a, a reggae artist on it. They actually been playing it a lot in Jamaica. So um, that that's the biggest surprise. That's the biggest step out there that I took on this. Man, looking forward to that one. Yeah, something I, I never it. did, and I was like, you know what? Let's try it. So there's a, a reggae artist, Fado, that's on it. So it, it came out. It actually came out good. Cool. And other than that, you're you're on the road doing tons of shows, of course, nonstop. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll be in the cool. UK um, at the end of March and just all around in the US in between. Um, having the good uh, thing in, in, at BB King's is going to uh, be an album release party. I'll be performing at. So that's going to be real big. Right. And the album will be out April twenty seventh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, we always have fun backstage. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> cool. So that about does it, Case. We just want to thank you for coming through, taking the time out, and, and sharing some great stories with us. We really appreciate having you as a guest once again. Anytime, man. Thanks. Anytime. Man, shout-outs to Case for dropping so many jewels in that segment. I'm still tripping out over that LL Cool J record, but what is the soul track of the day? I mean, we just had Case on this podcast. He killed it. He gave us a lot of rare gems. So many songs we can go with, but what's the soul track of the day? I got to go with the song I mentioned earlier, which was Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah. I want to celebrate Aaliyah and Static. It's his day. Uh, he wrote the song for Aaliyah, and uh, timeless hit. I mean, everyone who heard it, you know, th- that baby sound in the background from Timbaland is so recognizable. So unique at the time. I remember when it came out, and just it didn't sound like anything else at the time. It was You, you couldn't deny it, so that's what I'm going to go with for today. You guys like that song, too? It might be my favorite Leo song as well. And I remember very clearly when that record dropped in 98, I was working at a store that is now known as GameStop. It used to be called Babbage's. That was my college job while I was mm. working. And I got the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack, and I was so excited. And I played the CD on this. We had like this little radio at the front of the store. And I'm playing it, and you know, you're hearing the baby sounds and stuff. And the customers are like, what is that? Why are there baby noises in this song? <laughs> But we were just, me and my friends were just acting a fool because we were such huge fans. Huge Timberland fans, huge Aaliyah fans, huge Static fans. I don't think there'll ever be another artist that can replicate what Static did in the late 90s. Absolutely. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the podcast. I mean, Soulback has been great for us. This is episode three and we've gotten so much information. I'm still bugging out about Donnell, Usher, and Case being on the LL Cool J song, <laughs> Love You Better. That's it's going to take me some time to process that one. Wow. Player, this is why you listen to the podcast, because you get these exclusive news. Now, like We had no idea until Case said that, that that was a thing. It's amazing the knowledge that we get. Right. I, I can't even fathom what that could have meant to R&B at the time, and what the trends that could have set. Like, people doing a similar thing in songs. I mean, that's so cool man but we'll have to we'll have to we'll find a way to top that next week but until then ed what's going on with soinstereo.com i know you've been raving about this black panther out uh this black panther movie yeah the album and but the movie yes um the if those of you who haven't seen it and follow soinstereo probably know by now i probably spoiled the whole thing for you because i've been talking about it so much but in honor of the movie, I went back and revisited a post that I did years ago that ranked the, all the movies in the Marvel Universe, and I have placed Black Panther in that rating, too. So go check out that post and see where Black Panther lands and holds up among these other movies that are kind of becoming classics and redefining movies in general, the, the blockbuster. Also got some new music from Club Monster. Check them out. And I took the minute since... The internet decided a few weeks ago to kill DMX. You know how the internet loves to randomly kill people. Since he was the subject of yet another death hoax, I took the opportunity to revisit DMX discography, and we ranked them from bottom to top. So we did that. Also coming out, hopefully soon, because I've been putting this off for like a month, I am going through and going to present the 30 best soundtracks. This is kind of coming off of the Black Panther soundtrack. They got so much hype. 
But all us old head R&B fans know that those 90s soundtracks were iconic. So I go back and kind of rank the R&B and rap soundtracks starting from the early 80s coming up to the current era and seeing the 30 best. That should be posted really soon. Nice. Tom, what's going on with YouNowIGotSoul.com? So we got a couple of different things coming out. First off is a great interview we did with Tim Kelly from the production duo Tim and Bob. That should be out pretty soon. Honestly, the interview was like an hour and a half long, if you can believe it. So he shared so much history and so much information. I'm going to have to... You know, go into that, really dig into that, and, and you know, cut it back a bit. But hour and a half for an, that's my record for an interview. But um, other than that, we got another unique feature coming out. It's the R&B Power Rankings. Uh, yes. Still, still working on the name, but we we rated the top twenty-five artists currently in R&B. Might be a bit controversial, but hey, we want to do something different, something fun for R&B. So look out for that as well. But that's pretty much it. And I know, Kyle, you were skywalking at a Miguel show last night. I sure was. I actually even had a chance to interview Sir. Uh, He's an R&B singer on Kendrick's label, TDE. Guys, I'm trying to work my way up that that top dog entertainment camp so that they can release our podcast on their label and we'll be as big as The Breakfast Club. Because everything that Kendrick puts out is pretty much gold at this point. In more ways than one, pretty much literally. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Sir was a cool dude. Uh, actually, uh, he's the younger brother of Davion Ferris, who is a songwriter that I interviewed way back in 2011. So it was kind of like a full circle moment for me, and he was tripping out over that too. So, hey, it just lets you know when you put in the work, you get to meet new people. <laughs> Wait, did you actually get to meet Davion last night or – no, he was actually in L.A. I met uh, the other brother. I forget his name right now. But, uh, yeah, they're man. all part of the, the Woodworks writing camp. Uh, but that seems to be it for this week's Soul Back episode. I mean, Case came in and gave us all sorts of gems. Ed, I promise you next week we'll leave Keith alone. Tom, next week we'll have to see if music can get into the Soul Back Hall of Fame. He managed mm. to run through Keith, he managed to run through Montel, but who knows who the next person is on the list next week. Might be someone a little harder, we'll see, but until then, this is Kyle, we have Tom, we have Ed, and we will be signing out. Peace.